Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We are back here on the Wolverine podcast and talking 7-0 Michigan Wolverines. Obviously a dominant performance against Penn State. 41-17. Little bit scary even in in the midst of a dominant performance, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more with our great friend, Tom Crawford. You know him from uh, his TV show with Jack Ebling that you can see on Sunday nights on uh, Fox 47. You can also catch his videos that he puts out through the Crawford Podcasting Network. Tom Crawford, great to have you back. Well, it's great to be back. It's great to have a bye week and uh, exhale, if you will, Michigan fans, uh, you know, getting all excited about Michigan State. And I know everybody's geared about Michigan State. The players are already geared about Michigan State. We heard that in the postgame presser, but uh, it's a wonderful place to be at 7-0. And those naysayers out there that wanted to wait and see, and I wanted to wait and see until October 15th to really, you know, to exercise my true evaluation of Michigan uh, but they had me at at hello <laughs> on a couple of those uh, drives in the in the first quarter and uh, the domination all around it. And we're going to have fun talking about it, I'm sure. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I know that Jim Harbaugh had t- fun talking about it afterwards, and he was uh, kind of that Jim Harbaugh that we know when things are going well, and uh, you know maybe no no opponent to have to worry about next week. They, uh, he just threw out there unprompted. He said, uh, you know, some people are calling this a statement game. You want to call it a statement game? Go ahead and call it one. Tom Crawford, in your mind, was this a statement game by the 2022 Wolverines? 
Well, it's a statement game if you're stating to the rest of college football, the experts, the people that, you know, in a couple of weeks will be doing the CFP about, you know, starting the rankings that, that Michigan is viable. I, you know, I, I, when you, when you look at what they, what they did, I mean, I've been going to, as I met, stated many a times uh, to Michigan Stadium since 1964. And this is like a top five in terms of sheer domination in both facets of the game offensively and then what they did defensively. Um, but a bizarre part to the game was mm-hmm. the fact that Penn State <laughs> had the lead uh, late in the, in the second quarter, early, early third quarter. If I'm not mistaken, I, as the yeah. chronological part goes, and and yet Michigan was dominating, and then they dump, and then they dominated uh, down the stretch. And you look statistically, the 418 yards of rushing, John. I mean, I, this is going back to the 70s for me when I was in school. You know, they have, you know, both teams would have with Stanley Edwards, Harlan Huckleby, and Butch Wolfolk. They get 375 on the ground. Maybe Ricky Leach would throw for a buck 25. They have 500, and they dominate teams. This was literally a throwback to that, and it starts with the offensive line, just like it did back in the 70s. Oh, there's no question about it. I think uh, the questions about Michigan's offensive line certainly answered by this point. They are looking very much like that crew last year, and uh, Michigan looking very much like a team that uh, played at the end of last November against Ohio State when they were running the, the football so well. And yet you're right. You know, you, you get into a game and two plays, two plays, as Jim yeah. Harbaugh Isn't said. Isn't that crazy? It is absolutely crazy, and it worried people for a bit. But I think it says something that even when it was, uh, what, 17-16 Penn State uh, – no, 17 uh, – yeah, 17-16, early yeah. in that third quarter they get yeah. the field goal – and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen now? But what happened was Michigan just simply went right back to being dominant and uh, running the football all over those guys. And you had the big breakaway runs in the third quarter uh, oh, yeah. by your two top guys, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. And it was just uh, just one of those performances that you take care of business and leave no doubt in the end. Yeah, the Donovan Edwards uh, that touchdown run, that last move at the at the end, that uh, you know broke the ankles of that safety. I mean, I, that was I mean that was just an incredible move he made. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, this kid is special. The the other kid we know is special. His teammate Blake Corum is special. I'm thinking that two tandem running backs. And Michigan's had some great teams where they've had two running backs who are you know, getting a hundred plus yard games and to get them in the high one hundreds on the same day uh, with that much total rushing yardage is just uncanny. And then the other thing that, you know, this goes back to the offensive line. And I know we've been stating this for the last two days, but it bears repeating. I've never seen running backs get to the second level with such a, a cavernous hole carved by that offensive line and, and lot, you know, our Michigan's linemen like Zach Zinner and, that they're getting to their linebacker, you know, they're escorting these guys, uh, you know, literally to the third level. And then by the third level, it's just, it's, it's game on. Well, I'll take care of that safety. No problem, Mr. Lyman. And I'm, and I'm off to the races. And it, it, it was, it was, un, it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. A very deceiving 41, 17. Absolutely. You know, oh, that's yeah. 55 to three. <laughs> it could have easily been. It could have easily been. And somewhere uh, Bo Schempechler was smiling over that one. Uh, there are still people are, that are going to uh, have their complaints about this, and we may talk about those. But I, I want to ask you right now, what um, what two gentlemen cringed the most over this game? Do, or, or which one of these that I'm going to mention cringed more in your mind? Was it James Franklin who saw his team unable to stop Michigan's rushing game. And, you know, he was already before the game talking about how they had to play big boy ball. Well, uh, he had a lot of uh, Penn State writers saying that uh, they didn't live up to the moment in that category, and we all saw it play out. Or was it Fox analyst one Mr. Urban Meyer who predicted that Penn State was going to shut down the Michigan rushing attack? Yeah. 
Well, you know, and, and that's where his is anti-Michigan, you know, he can't even refer to the school, even in his professional platform of being a media person, he can't call them Michigan. It's the school up north or the Wolverines. He can't say Michigan. I mean, what are you, 12 years old? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. I don't, I don't get this Ohio State thing of not, of, of not being able to. And Michigan State does the same crap, and now it's school down south. Hey, it's your yeah. state, you know, people. I, I don't know. You don't get me going there. But, I mean, both of these uh, bear emphasizing because I, I thought that James Franklin was, was you know, kind of passing the – you know, kind of making excuses. We don't have, you know, Aaron Donald's out, you know, out there. We don't have big linemen out there. And, um, you know, he was he was kind of giving excuses. Well, their, their guys are bigger than mine. And then we saw his behavior and uh, – you know, after that little, uh, you know, spit spat in the in the tunnel, which you know was where he's barking at Harbaugh. I mean, I I think he he saw that game was over at halftime, even though he was down only by two. He saw the writing on the wall. I think I think both handled the defeat a bat <laughs> or or hand. I mean, they just don't handle Michigan. I mean, Urban Meyer needs to go do something else than be in, in Michigan Stadium. He he looks uncomfortable there. And it's uncomfortable hearing what comes out of his mouth. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the next opponent soon. But you just said something that caught my attention. Did, are are the Spartans actually copying Ohio State and now going to that team down south? Oh, oh, without question. And 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 you know, a lot of it has to do with their particular background. Mel, Mel Tucker was. A GA at Ohio State. I mean, D'Antonio was a DC at Ohio State. I mean, once you get down into, once you, you know, taste the, you know, the wicked serum down there and the the venom towards towards Michigan. I guess it never it never leaves your system. And yeah, that's the way it is up here. And you know, they do they they tweeted out and they did they did the the M upside down. I mean, they, right. well, Saw that. it's like I can't, I, I, you know, it's just like be respectful. I mean. Jim Harbaugh on the postgame presser, Michigan State, on to Michigan State. Blake Corum, on to Michigan State. The name of their school is Michigan State. That's, you know, I don't call them Moo U. I call them Michigan State. I don't even call them Sparty. They don't even like that for some reason. But I, so, I, okay, I'll respect that. I won't call you Sparty, even though that's your mascot. I yeah. call them Michigan State. But they don't, you know, they, they, they call, you know, Michigan State people call Michigan scum. They call them scum. That's mm-hmm. what they call them. Yeah, you know, once again, you got 10, using the UM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got ten or twelve year old mentality, and so you know they they are who they are, and uh, we'll see what happens on the 29th. All right. Well, then one change the name of your mascot, call him something else besides yeah. the name that you do not like. Yeah. And right. number two, be <laughs> a little more original in uh, in not copying that uh, that that team uh, directionally, whatever it it might yeah. be. Come, come up with your own material. Anyway, we will talk more about that next squad, the Michigan State Spartans, uh, very shortly. But I want to go a little more in-depth into Michigan's rushing attack because it is such a feature of this team and such a an identity that they are once again going to be able to run the football. They are uh, – they're ninth in the country in, in rushing. You've got uh, Blake Corum up at the top of the list in uh, touchdowns and right there in, in rushing yards. And uh, Donovan Edwards breaks out for his best game in a Michigan uniform. As you mentioned, the guys up front are performing so well. And in a game where you know, I mean, Penn State knew that it had to shut down Michigan's rushing attack or at least slow it down to have any chance in this game they had that time to prepare for it and they simply could not make it happen your thoughts on uh, on that dynamic with a with a team in Penn State that had given up a total of 399 yards rushing <laughs> all season all long season. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Michigan's four gets 418 yeah I I think they were over I I, I think they I have the binoculars, and I'm low. I'm 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 one of those sideline watchers. <laughs> I would look at their sideline, and they they never. I mean, they looked. They didn't have that confident look that Ohio. When you look at Ohio State sideline when they're playing Michigan, typically maybe not last year, 
uh, they have that 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 confidence look to them. And and Penn State looked a little overwhelmed. Um, and maybe I read too much into that, but when you have a guy like Blake Corum who can carry the ball 28 times, and uh, he, he just seems to let me carry it more. And then you add, you know, now Donovan Edwards got into the double digit range. He's been getting five, six carries, seven carries um, a couple of times this year. Now he's got 16 carries and he got the, the big, long 67 yarder. Wow. That's amazing. What I like about what I like about the rushing attack, it carries well. It travels well into the cold, wet days of November. But I just thought this goes back to mission. The reason this happened, in my estimation, was not so much about Penn State's ineptness or their lack of size or whatever. And they got some, they got some great players. You know, Joey Porter is a great uh, DP. They got some solid players at all three levels. But I, it's Michigan's offensive line. It, it was, you know, pulling guards, pulling center. Uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I, like I said, I've never seen such, such gaping holes in my life. And, and, you know, J.J. McCarthy has a lot to do with that. Yeah, you know, he threw 17, he completed 17 to 24 for a buck 45. And he threw, you know, and that interception I don't think was, was you know, that was just goofy. But he threw off his back foot one time like, what the hell are you doing? It should have been picked off. That could have been a game changer. But, I, you know, I think his presence in the RPO helps that running attack. And he had 57 yards himself. And he had... Uh, a couple of nine and 10 yard runs that were critical in this game. And he knew how to, you know, he knows when to fall and, 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 you know, as he's going to the sideline, I, I was, I was really impressed with JJ. He's getting better every game. I, I, I think it's steady building blocks for JJ McCarthy. Okay. So this goes right along with what you're talking about as well as uh, Michigan's rushing attack. You still, and I know Tom Crawford, your old school guy, love that run game. And uh, but you have out there still people that are saying, "Okay, I get it, I get it. They're very good. They they're able to run the football, but when this team faces the uh, the best squads in the nation, uh, they can't get away with that. They've got to be able to throw the ball deep downfield. They've got to." you know, be able to throw it all over the place and throw it in the middle of the field and, and get those things done or else they're not going to win. You know, they might win a Big Ten championship. They might pull mm-hmm. it off again against Ohio State. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, give me give me your thoughts on that because um, I, for my money, you maintain and increase the run game and you're developing all the time with a young quarterback on the other side of it. Well, I yeah, I think that I think the aerial game is going to get better, and and you know I think Michigan's receivers are going to get better. Ronnie Bell seems to be the go-to guy. I mean, Roman Wilson, it was good to see him back, and that had a that was a big plus. I mean, you know, there's 17 catches, like I said, for 114, 145 yards, and and I don't think Michigan's receivers and and I do look for that aren't getting, uh, you know, I, I think they could be a, doing a better job of getting separation on times. Um, on occasion, and it's not just JJ's fault. Um, but you know they, you know they didn't. It wasn't a big part of this game. I mean, when you when you can run the football, you're not forced to pass. I mean, you know, my whole thing on Michigan is just it's 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 down a distance. I'm I'm you know I'm big on that. I mean, third and twos versus third and eight. Michigan's just like anybody else. I mean, you manage the sticks and 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 get ahead. Don't get behind the sticks on each one of these possessions then I, I think they're going to be in good shape because you're going to have that run pass option and, and then and, and, and getting more, you know, tight end involvement that we, we've had it in the past. Didn't really have it this time, um, but uh, that will happen. Um, I, I think that I think Michigan's aerial game is going to get, I think there's more to be seen uh, to be continued and to be expanded and to be appreciated. Uh, when the time is is there. And, and Illinois is going to be an example where they're going to have to do that. All right. And before I let go of the, uh, the whole running game topic, certainly J.J. McCarthy was a significant part of it, even though it wasn't a, a statistically dominant performance in that respect. Uh, I was talking to uh, Doug Karsh, the voice of Michigan football now the other day, and talking about what J.J. McCarthy uh added to Michigan's attack and and Doug made a really good point in our uh, Monday session when he 
pointed out the fact that it was a third and uh, intermediate sort of distance, like a third and seven, third and eight, mm-hmm. when in fact J.J. McCarthy uh, evaded the pass rush yep. and broke out and and made a run that would came directly before Donovan Edwards' uh, yep. long touchdown run. Now he exactly does, JJ, J.J. McCarthy doesn't make that play. Yeah. Then you don't have the Donovan Edwards play, and right. that was kind of what got Michigan jump started. Then, as I saw JJ McCarthy in that game, I saw him being very smart and and selecting well the runs that he took. Usually, he was able to get out of bounds on them. And uh, before the, our last week's topic was uh, you wanting to see JJ run a little bit more, me kind of pumping the brakes and you know doing the doing the don't don't get your lead quarterback hurt sort of thing. <laughs> I thought this was about right. How yeah. about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it was it was just about right. But it's also going to have to be just about right against uh, tougher competition on the defensive side of the ball. I'm talking about the opposition because I think Illinois' defense is probably going to, the way things are playing out, and I and I, I, I taped their game and watched, watched their game over Minnesota. I mean, I think their defense – uh, Ryan Walters is a great is a great uh, defensive coordinator. Came over from Missouri, and what they're doing, what he's doing for Brett Bielema, that's going to be a tough defense. So when it gets to uh, what's that game, November nineteenth, right before Ohio State, those last two games, JJ's feet are going to have to be utilized more, in my opinion, invading the rush, buying time, rolling out on those occasions, improvising. And and also, you know, on the RPO where I mean, he might be keeping. I mean, they ran an option play on this one that mm-hmm. did remind me of the 70s with Ricky Leach pitching out to Harlan Huckabee. Remember that one that was coming over the Western sideline? It wasn't a big game, but it just showed me, my, my God, these guys got every every element of offense incorporated into this. And I, I, we're seeing something new in formation and guys in motion and seemingly every week. And it's going to get more. It, the, the playbook, I think, is going to get open wider. Yeah, I think so, and I I think they are saving things without any question in my mind, and I think they are also laying down the basis for playing off the plays that they're they're running now, as they yeah. did so well last year leading up to that Ohio State game. We saw them set some things up with the, what they did against Maryland, with what they did against with Donovan Edwards in that game, and you saw the fruits of it later. Okay. They're going to do this. Nope. Oh, they threw in a, a wrinkle and it went for a big play. Yeah. So I, I just think uh, they're doing a, a pretty darn good job in overall in the running game. And with J.J. McCarthy, I I thought that was just about right the other day. Now, yeah, I, yeah, I go ahead. Now, now, moving forward, though, I mean, the, 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 the narrative changes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sure. uh, with because you have. You have a lot of different kinds of games. You got you got another road game coming up at Rutgers. You know, it's a road game, okay? So that's always that's always has a, a, a little element of worry factor. But you got mm-hmm. Michigan State, and I know we're going to break that down much more as we move on the rest of this podcast and and next week. But I mean, that's going to be a different kind of game. That's going to be an emotional game, um, and and you're going to have a, a team throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you. Um, so all these games have different. Uh, narratives that I think are going to play out, including Nebraska, which is going to come in. Who knows what they're going to bring? Uh, but but it's just you know I I I just think we haven't we haven't you know and JJ's alluded to this. I, I mean you haven't seen anything yet as far as what this offense can do. Understood. And one thing you mentioned some opponents that are coming up. You look at Michigan State. You look at Rutgers. You look at Nebraska, and you look at Illinois. What do all these teams have in common? They are going to be underdogs to significant underdogs against Jim Harbaugh's team. And so my question to you becomes, what is there that is the biggest threat between now and Columbus? What stands in their way from marching into Columbus undefeated? Uh, that they wear orange and blue, and they're in Champaign Urbana. Okay, mm. it's Illinois. I mean, okay. and, and 
and I, there's a couple reasons I say that, John. And, and this goes out. I'll do a little nostalgic element. And when Jim Harbaugh's senior year, I'll never forget this game. Michigan was undefeated. Uh, and they played 11-game schedule back in 1986. But before they went down to Columbus, they, Michigan lost to Minnesota, unranked Minnesota. They got Michigan was the number two in the nation, I think. And they got upset 20 to 20 to 17. I think Ricky Foggy was the quarterback. And um, it's like, or maybe it wasn't, but somebody, I, I, I can't remember the names, but um, but they, Minnesota had a walk-off field goal to win it, okay? And so that, that, that last game before the Ohio State game is always a dicey one. Now, mm-hmm. I know that Michigan will be ready for Illinois. I get that. But I think what Brett Bielema has done in this team is amazing. When you have a good defense and a good running back and potentially the best in the, in the, in the Big Ten by some standards, I don't, I think, the guy from Michigan's <laughs> Blake Corum is in that category myself, but, um, and Chase Brown, though, that's a good running back. And, 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 and you have a, you know, a veteran quarterback a transfer from Syracuse who's, who's doing a terrific job. Um, I, 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 that game scares the heck out of me right now. And I'm, you know, I'm a worried guy, but um, that's the one, if you're asking me the question. Yeah. Well, I think that they certainly have shown, even though they're playing in the West, which, is just a wild, weird, almost at times mediocre scramble uh, of teams vying to to be what seems like the uh, annual victim in the Big Ten championship game against the East uh, champion. And I have little doubt that it'll be the same way this year, but you're right. Illinois is uh, statistically way, way up there in uh, – with their defense and that is a concern but again you know you looked at penn state's numbers coming in fifth in the nation in defending the run and uh you know you had urban talking like he was i i just think that uh, this is a michigan team that can handle uh pretty much all comers at least in the big 10 at this point and we will see down in columbus uh i just um i i wonder what's going to stop the Wolverines, but you bring up a fantastic point. You're talking about Minnesota in 86, dial it back 10 years earlier, Purdue in 76. Yeah. I was at and, that game. <laughs> oh, man. I God mean, bless oh, yeah, brutal. Yeah. brutal. And yeah. a lot of people think that uh, Michigan leading up to that 97 championship team, and we saw the 97 team come out on the field on Saturday. You look at 95 and 96 for the Wolverines. And those were four loss teams that had a lot of the talent that won in 97. They just weren't ready to win yet, or they'd, they'd allow games to slip away. It was, um, it was one of those deals where, you know, they just weren't over the hump yet. And all of a sudden, 97 comes along and, and they're ready to win. But uh, Michigan, even at its best, can't overlook anybody. And that includes certainly Michigan State. We're going to talk about the Spartans in just one more minute, but we've got to, uh, we certainly have to uh, take care of one category first. We haven't really talked about Michigan's defense. Michigan's defense gave up 10 points against Penn State, which had been averaging close to 35 per game. I want to throw a, a different sort of question at you regarding Michigan's defense because we know we've, you've had a lot of a big cast of characters, all kinds oh, of ed- edge rushers putting yeah. uh, putting pressure on the quarterbacks and and the defensive backs are better, I think, than anybody thought. If I had to ask you slightly past the midway point of this regular season, Tom Crawford, who's your defensive MVP? <laughs> You're not going to do that to me, are you? I mean, I am. Okay, got me. Just uh, you know, I, uh, let let me count the ways. Let me let me choose. Let me look at the options. But I'm I'm telling you know I'm I'm tempted. You know, Mike's in still. Mikey has been doing terrific. I mean, you can go down the line, but uh, and obviously Mozzie Smith. But I'm I, one jumps off the page, and he's been sitting up in front of us in the post game presser seemingly every week. His name is Mike Morris, and I thought he was absolutely terrific in this game i mean he had in that remember that first drive he had that he had that third down uh tackle for loss uh 
it's like, wow, I didn't realize. I mean, I totally underestimated Mike Morris going into the season. I mean, we saw him play and everything, but we were so focused on David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson leaving. Oh, God, I guess they're going to have to make up in the middle because they got two new DNs and everything. Uh, but Mike Morris is is absolutely terrific. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, it's what did he have? He had, I mean, for the season, he's had, I think, 15 tackles. He's had several tackles for loss, I think eight tackles for loss, and uh, at least four or five sacks. Um, he's great. He's the one. He's the dude right now, as it sits right now. And that's subject to change. Absolutely. There's a lot of more football to be played. Yeah. And I will I will tell the folks, we don't rehearse uh, this or talk about the uh, the answers to topics that we may bring up. Um, hate to, uh, you know, I could spark some controversy by going a different way, but I'm not going to. Because <laughs> Mike Morris is the guy I picked as well. You've got sacks. You've got pressures. You've yeah. got tackles for loss. You have tipped passes. You had, uh, I believe it was at Indiana, the uh, a blocked kick. This is a kid that has really, really asserted himself. And I will say this. We talked about him. Uh, I think he was my defensive MVP back when we were doing the the, uh, the football preview. But uh, I didn't anticipate to this part of the season that he would uh, show up as big as he has. And I like the other guys that you mentioned. The, the Mike Sainris deals and the Mozzie Smiths and other guys that, you know, in the end could maybe surpass what Mike Morris has done. But to this point, I think you make a great choice there in, uh, in Mike Morris as this team's defensive MVP. All right. You know, yeah, real, real quickly, though, let me one, one more caveat about the defense. And, and I'm, you know, I, I don't I don't mean to pick on at once. But if there's one level I'm concerned about defense moving forward, moving forward. Being, you know, just wanting the standard, the bar to be raised as high as possible. It's it's that linebacker. Um, I, I just, you know, I I think they're. I mean, Michael Barrett's done well, Junior Colson, um, but Junior Colson sometimes in, in some of his coverages concerns me a little bit. Uh, I just think it's that level of vulnerability that uh, maybe it's just because it pales to how great the secondary is doing, the back four, and obviously the front four. And there's still some mystery at the linebacker because we do not know when the Kai Hill Green oh may God, or been, may not come yeah. back. I don't think I, I'm starting to wonder if he's ever going to come back this year. It's been rough. Said about it. Yeah, that's, we, that's a huge void. Huge. Yeah. Uh, had gotten himself in position to be a uh, not just a contributor this year, but a real a real force in there. And uh, now we're not seeing him at all. So you uh, you really want this young man uh, coming back and fresh and everything that goes with it for a stretch run. But the stretch run starts with the Michigan State Spartans. Not this Saturday, bye week for Michigan. They're going to practice four times this week. And Jim Harbaugh has already made that very clear. It's going to be all Michigan State, all Michigan State focus. And uh, then you take the weekend off. Then uh, you launch into game week next week. Uh, Tom Crawford, tell me about in a game where Michigan will be heavily favored and in a game where Michigan State will have reason for uh, a, a, a Chips Ahoy size cookie chip on their shoulder, what are you worried about most? And they got that chip thing down to a science. You know, I'll give D'Antonio credit on that one. Um, well, hey, let's be real. They've won 10 of the last 14. I mean, if that doesn't get your attention, um, you know, and I know this goes back into Rich Rod and, and Brady Hoke, but still, it's it's glaring. It's still there. The right. other thing, I mean, the, the, what haunts me is the 2017 game, uh, the monsoon game, and 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 John O'Quarrie. I mean, and, and that game was a night game. And, and so what happens with me, John, is um, I get these, you know, I get these evil thoughts in my mind of, oh, God, you know, what, what, here comes Michigan State again. For some reason, they have this, you know, this, uh, I don't know what it is, magic formula of some sort, Pixie does, that they can compete against Michigan even when they're inferior in talent. I want to, this game to, I, I visualize this game in a positive way to the 2019 game at 44 to 10. 
I, I want that kind of game to happen where Michigan State lost its composure, uh, had some personal fouls, and then looked like they didn't want to be out there in the fourth quarter. That's what I want to have happen. But I think mm-hmm. what uh, this Wisconsin win is going to keep Michigan State engaged. Um, they got and wins, you know, the, and, and Wyndham, they got a good edge rusher. Uh, you know, Peyton Thorne is a is a is can be really good uh, and really bad. I mean, in the same game. Um, and and you know, um, it it's it concerns me because there's so much at stake. That's right. what concerns me. And it could and and they've beaten them. Michigan in the last two years, and it's almost like I'm thinking, good Lord, is Michigan going to be so wired, you know, are they going to want it too bad, or are they going to overthink things, or I don't know, that's the worry, but I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you, Uh, I'm confident Michigan's going to win, but I just don't want to endure a fourth quarter game, I just, I don't think I can handle it, I I just don't, I'm like Ballas. Yeah. No, you're not. Okay, no, you're not. Okay, no, you're not. No, he's a little psycho. Um, <laughs> but I, but I'm a little shorter. I'm 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 up there. I'm up. Oh, yeah. I was brought up in this okay. town. Uh, you know, I went to school in Ann Arbor, but I was brought up in this town, and, and I have Michigan State feel all around me. My my neighborhood's filled with MSU faculty. I have to live it. So that's why I get all worried about it because I have to deal with the the wrath of the of of of, of the Spartans uh, if yes. they come out on top. I understand. And you mentioned the fact that the Spartans uh, will still be engaged because of that overtime win against Wisconsin. But what about the flip side of this psychologically? Isn't it almost better for Michigan that the Spartans beat Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and you have that to point to uh, as opposed to Wow, the, this team has gone off the rails. It has no chance. Yeah, Michigan yeah. has just come off a statement win against Penn State. They've got <laughs> the Spartans have no chance. They may not win another game. Oh, you know oh, how the talk oh, can God. go. Oh, but God, now, God. <laughs> you know now, you say, hey, they look, they they came up and uh, and took down the Badgers of Wisconsin, who aren't what they normally are this year. But don't think it can't happen. Oh my God, John! It's like you were in my brain. I was watching as I was watching the overtime and the, the latter part of that uh, Michigan State Wisconsin game when I got back from Ann Arbor. Uh, and it's like, what what do I want? Well, you know what? I kind of rationalize whatever happens. Hey, that's better that way. That's how kind of how I do it. But I think you're I think you're really spot on in this because part of me says, well, Michigan State will check out. It'll be like 2002, the Bobby Williams uh, kind of team that. Definitely looked like they didn't want to be there, even though they had a three nothing lead in that game. Believe it or not, it was a forty nine to three comeback victory. But I think um, I think I, I, I'm more focused on Michigan. I think what happened them beating Wisconsin, um, and and also what's happened the last two years, and also the yearn to have Paul Bunyan up here. Um, I think that's gonna that I think that's a good thing that's gonna get Michigan. Uh, focused on this game. I don't, you know, because, and you know, you know, what's, you know, these past years, weird things happen in this game. Just weird freaking stuff happens in this game. It's unexplainable. And sometimes I feel like Michigan's haunted in this game. And so I think what, what the the Michigan focus is going to be is let's just put these cats away early on and put them away, step on the throat and, and, and just have a convincing victory and then move on. Okay. And you know what is uh, one easy take on all this that we hear over and over again? Um, maybe from the Michigan State side, once in a while from frustrated Michigan fans after a, a loss to Michigan State. And that is simply uh, those four little words. That's five little words as my math is uh, whirring in my head. Michigan State wants it more and you i wonder about that because you know the 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 argument goes uh michigan that they, they think they're so much better they're arrogant they don't they yeah michigan state they call us little brother but we want mm-hmm. this game more they're michigan talks and tries to to down talk us and say that we're always behind Ohio State on the their order of importance, and you know when we circle this game as number one, is there anything to that in the mind of no. Tom Crawford? No, uh, 
uh, maybe in the past, uh, but not now. And the reason uh, I felt really re- uh, assured about this game was in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Days when uh, the subject of Michigan State gets brought up because you have you have Greater Lansing Media there than my colleagues. You know, we'll, we'll we'll go to the Michigan, you know, the the scrum there when you got Harbaugh and, and the players Eric All and and Mozzie Smith and ask him questions about Michigan State. I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes, but. I've never seen in such, uh, without hesitation, an authoritative way. We, we, we're going to be ready for Michigan State. I mean, it was it was it was no flinching in this. And I and, and you know, just like we like Harbaugh referred to Blake Corm in the tunnel. I mean, we're on on to Michigan State. And JJ talked about we want Paul back. I mean, I, when I've started to add all these things up, I think you're going to get a more focused Michigan team taking Michigan State serious as they should be. Uh, than than maybe ever before. I'm I'm serious. I do, I did go one year, 1979, going way back when Michigan had Paul Bunyan for eight years in a row, and it was John Fox. You know, just carried it in the closet. They, they they just parked it in the closet. They didn't even it, they wouldn't you know carry it up and around, but they lost it in '78. Okay, and they went up to East Lansing because they wanted that that Paul Bunyan trophy back. And mm-hmm. I, I I think this team has that that similar. We got to get Paul back mentality that that 79 team. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that is reasonable. And certainly, if you want to talk about uh, teams that wanted it the most in Michigan football history, I would go also go with the 1970 team and the teams that came thereafter because uh, Jerry Hanlon, uh, my longtime friend and former right hand man of Bo Schembechler, used to always talk about going up. And uh, and meeting Michigan State in 1969 and getting yeah. shocked because they had put so much preparation into the team that they knew they had to beat to uh, to win the Big Ten. They and that changed was the Ohio offense. State. They, they, they changed the offense. The offense. Absolutely. Yeah, there was so much that went into that game. But I'll tell you what, they responded to it by a, a long winning streak. I believe it was eight in a row that yep. uh, that. Bo Schembechler ran off and, uh, you know, 17 and four over the years. It, uh, Bo made sure that this wasn't going to be a regular occurrence for sure. Now, as to the game itself, we'll do a lot of nuts and bolts next week. And yeah. we're hoping well, to have a real special guest to, uh, to get on with us. But, uh, where, where in Tom Crawford's mind, just in the early look at this, where are the areas that Michigan should dominate? I mean, we had the had the areas it did dominate against Michigan uh, against Penn State, but where should Michigan control this game against the Spartans? <laughs> when they have the ball, okay. <laughs> I mean, Michigan State's rushing defense is ranked 80th in the country, okay. Michigan State's pass defense is, I think, 120 out of the 130 uh, in F- in FBS. I mean, so that's all you need to know. Uh, so I think when Michigan has the ball, uh, they're, you know, they're going to dominate. I, and let's say, you know, my my fear is turning the ball over. You know, I mean that, that which is which can happen. You know, I mean it. You know, and uh, and JJ's, you know, uh, he's daring. I will say that he's he's daring to make that extra play. Um, and his arm is so strong, he thinks he can. Like that one pass I was just driving off his back foot. It was like a fadeaway jump shot um, uh, that went into the net. Um, but yeah, that one should have been picked off. And that, exactly, and 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 so and I'm sure when during film breakdown in the quarterback room, they're going to say, "Hey, you know, you, that one, you, you know, you should have, you know, maybe tucked that one and, and taken the sack." I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm fearing the turnover. It's but Michigan, Michigan's gonna. I think Michigan's gonna move the ball. And then they're going to run the – I don't care what the weather is. Michigan's going to move the ball against Michigan State. You mentioned weather. I had another question in mind, but I'm going to I'm going to roll with that for a minute because if it happened to be bad weather, which we all know we can have uh, plenty yeah. of in, yeah. in Michigan around uh, late October, around Halloween, who – which way does the needle uh, point if if the weather gets really sloppy? Well, I mean, I want a dry field because I just I, I I like dry fields. Okay, I mean, I mean, I don't I don't want weather to be a factor. Okay, yeah. 
But yeah. I, I'm not worried about the weather. I mean, that, that, that monsoon in 2017 was crazy. That was that was a, an equal. And Michigan didn't handle that well. And, but Michigan didn't have the running attack that right. they do now. Um, I, to be honest with you, I think a wet surface would hurt. I mean, Michigan State relies more on the, on the aerial game than they. That's how they won in overtime. Than they than they do um, uh, and a running attack. I mean, they just uh, you know, but uh, it's 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 remarkable difference. Uh, K nine is now with the Seattle uh, Seahawks. So um, so that's you know he's he's Kenneth Walker is no longer going to be walking down. You know he's not going to come into the building there. That's right. huge. So, right. um, so that's that's you know I, I you know I, I think weather I think rain would actually hurt Michigan State's offense more than it would hurt Michigan's offense. That's why I'm excited about this running game because yeah. you know we're going to have we're going to have not, maybe not downpours in November, but it's going to be cold. And until you get to the Big Ten, when you get to the Big Ten championship, then weather doesn't become a factor because you're you go from there and hopefully to the Peach Bowl. Uh, we saw those. Uh, scouts up there that was nice <laughs> um, for the CFP um, and, and, and as opposed to um, and, and inclement weather so yeah, um, yeah. just we just got to get out of got to get out of the Midwest uh, with the Ohio State game after the Ohio State game. fair enough one uh, one thing I want to mention before we wrap this thing up you mentioned a concern about turnovers it, it strikes me that given all of the angst about J.J. McCarthy and turnovers or Michigan and turnovers, and it comes up every game. You know, that's how these teams, that's how Iowa could uh, could yeah. pull this off or maybe Indiana pull the upset down there. Or if Penn State, you know, we talked to Jed Donahue a week ago and he talked about if Penn State could turn Michigan over early, Mich- or, or Michigan early. You've got a team in Michigan that has made it through seven games and has turned the football over four times, four That's, times. Yeah, uh, and and up and, and and then prior to the Indiana game, they hardly had any penalties mm-hmm. either. I mean, the Indiana game was an aberration. I, I'm not sure how many penalties Michigan had against Penn State. Uh, I was too caught up in how many gaping holes there were. But um, yeah, uh, you know, taking care of the foot, don't turn the ball over. If this team doesn't turn the ball over. They're going to be in every game they play. I don't care if they're playing Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee or in, in the playoff or, or even down in Columbus. I mean, I think Michigan has more than a puncher's chance of beating Ohio State. And we're going to get a better diagnosis of, of that as we move forward. But my, feel, my feelings about this team uh, got ramped up uh, dramatically uh, for the three and a half hours it took place on Saturday in Ann Arbor. All right. Well, Speaking about feelings being ramped up, this is the final one I'm going to throw at you. <laughs> East Lansing resident Tom Crawford, uh, Blue Belly Tom, you know, it's he he lives there, but his his heart uh, beats Michigan and his blood runs blue. Oh yeah. Get, set the scene a little bit. Is is the anticipation for the Michigan game up in the area where you reside? any less because of uh, the struggles that the Spartans have had or what's, I mean, what take, give us the pulse of, uh, of your area right now. Oh God. Yes. It, it's uh, they're, they're balling up. I mean, they're bailing on this team after the Ohio state game. Now they're coming a little bit back. And now I talked to, you know, now they, you know, I, I think right now the mentality, I mean, I'll talk about the fan base uh, and I'll get a better pulse on this for the pul- for the podcast next week as I run into people this weekend. I think it's a uh, it's a guarded optimism. Can we be in the game? You know, can we be in the game? I don't think I don't think a lot of Michigan fans, Michigan State fans, rather, if you uh, if they were true to their fellow Michigan State fans, uh, think that Michigan State's going to win this game. I think I think they're bracing for it, but I, I'm thinking they're they're. They're feeling like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we can hang around and pull out a miracle. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it, it's, it's, it's way simmered down, way simmered down from last year when you had, you know, two undefeateds going at it. I mean, this place was wired. Right. It was crazy. Michigan still should have won that game. We know that. Um, and I, I mean, how many times you got to review 
Oh, you know, upon further reviews, I've never seen more upon further reviews in the history of, of me watching college football. Yeah, that was that, that that was that was crazy, you know, but that's that weird things that happen in this game. I'm glad the game's oh, yeah. in Ann Arbor. And, and you know, I, and I think there's I think also one other caveat. I think you're going to see less green down there a week from Saturday night. I really do, because they don't they don't stub hub themselves into that environment. When they when they're fearing a beatdown, they don't show up. Michigan State fans don't do that. Right, they hold on to their green and they stuff it yeah. in their wallet. Yeah, but yeah, uh, <laughs> they'll just, yeah, they'll just be up here, you know, going to you know going to the East Lansing bars and you know they'll you know if they'll watch it and if they're still in the game they'll keep watching. If they if they if they get way behind they'll just start drinking. That's what they'll. We will have all kinds of Michigan, Michigan State talk on next week's podcast, and we're hoping for a very special guest to invite in that uh, knows Michigan, Michigan State, as well as anyone, and uh, and we both know him pretty well. We'll uh, we'll see about that. We will try to get someone in. Uh, I, I think we shouldn't have too much trouble with uh, with it being Michigan, Michigan yeah, State week. Special week. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being with us this time around, and thank you, Tom Crawford. We'll do this again next week. Look forward to next week, and always a pleasure being on the podcast, John. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.